Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, Jonathan Smith doesn't bring quarterbacks to media day. Now, he told me on media day that if he had a clear starter that was coming back and returning, it's not like a hard and fast rule. But he just, it's not something he's done in his time at Oregon State. Maybe he'll bring one next year. Maybe he won't. DJ Uyungalele, transfer from Clemson, has been on this radio show. And he's talked about making the transition, his leadership style, why he chose Oregon State, all of that. You know, here he is talking about why he chose Oregon State. Yeah, no, I thought uh, going when I put my name in the portal, I thought there was a there was a handful of teams that I thought were really good. That I thought I, I could be able to go play at and just be able to go to develop me and get me to the next level. And I thought Oregon State was number one on my list. I uh, love the way uh, how Coach Lingo runs the offense with Coach Smith. Um, love what they do with the pro-style system. For me, it almost feels like you're playing with the 49ers and like the and Sean McVay Rams when they had Jared Goff back there. So that was the biggest thing for me. I wanted to go somewhere. I want to play in a pro style offense, get under center, uh, do some play action pass, different run checks, and be able to just grow my knowledge of the football game. Look, he's got Jonathan Smith. He's got Brian Lindgren. He's also got the Ben Gulbrinson returning as a starter. Aiden Childs, the young guy. And Greg Biggins, who is a national recruiting analyst for 24-7 Sports and a guy that comes on this show and talks about, you know, the high school kids and the community college kids that uh, – that are uh, transferring and and uh, choosing schools to go to college. He knows DJ well. And I'll never forget something big and said. He said he thought it was important that DJ got off to a good start and didn't have to look over his shoulder. Remember when Biggins came on this show? It was I think it was in May, and he said, you know, well, here it is. Here's yeah. what we don't need. If you're a quarterback, you have to know that you're the guy, right? You don't want to be looking over your shoulder and, and – he, he had Cade Klobnik at Clemson. Everybody knew that Cade was going to be the guy eventually. And it seemed like almost from, from Klobnik's spring ball, it was already, okay, so how soon before he's going to be the starter? And I just, you can't play quarterback that way if you're a DJ. If you're looking over your shoulder, if you think, gosh, man, one bad pass, uh, you know, I'm yeah. you looking to the sideline, are they going to pull me out right now? And you kind of start to squeeze the ball a little tighter. You're not throwing the ball, you know, free and easy. Um, you got to be comfortable, and you got to know that your coach and your staff believe in you, and you have to know that you know you have the confidence to, to make mistakes. Greg Biggins talking about DJ Uyunglele over the weekend. Oregon State had a scrimmage. Nick Dashiell of the Oregonian had the report on it. Nick does a fantastic job covering Oregon State. He's joining us now to talk about it. Um, how, first of all, Nick, this team feels like the quarterback room is as good as Jonathan Smith has had it. That's the positive. The negative is there's some competition in there, and maybe Jonathan's got to work a little harder to keep everybody happy. You, uh, you, by the way, you inadvertently broke a little news there when you were talking. You said something about Jonathan Smith taking who he might take to Pac-12 Media Day next year. Um, mm. Beaver fans would like to hear that, that Jonathan's yeah. going to be around right, next right. year. 
Oh. Or Mount, Mountain West Conference Media Day, or Pac-4 Media well, Day, that, or no, I, this, this, I, I, that's one of the that's one of the, that's one of the concerns I think is Jonathan going to be around a year from now, and Ooh. you know that's just unknowable. But but you said talk, it. So is he ta- wait, 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 back up, back up. Is he talked about that at all, or has he addressed that? Like you know, or is he kind of deflecting that, saying I don't I don't control that? That's pretty much the message now. I'm I'm hoping you know, give it another week or so that that I can you know. You know, talk to them a little bit more about about that. I, giving them a little bit of time because they, you know, this is a football season. And they don't really want to be, you know, working on what the future looks like. So, but but in time, you know, I, those questions got to be got to be asked, and whether they're answered or not, I don't know. But but getting back to the original question, which was, what, how is Jonathan handling this, this quarterback room? Was that was that the question? I, yeah, yeah. Like this I, this room, it's an interesting room with Galbrinson, Childs. DJ, you have an interesting blend. All three guys, if you think about it, all grinders, all had to overcome setbacks, adversity, or injury. I mean, it's just a its a very interesting combination. Yeah, you know, every time I talk to, to Ben Gulbrinson, he, he insists he's, he's here win, lose, or draw on the job. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess when the decision is is announced and you know if he's not the guy we'll find out for sure but i i haven't heard anything from anyone that leads me to believe that you know he's out the door if he doesn't win the job so and you know based on what i've seen so far and i have been every practice because you know some of them are closed and i've been a lot of them, but a few of them so maybe ben's just been great in those practices but but the ones i've seen DJ has been he he's the guy. I mean, he just looks like the guy. He even today in practice, I mean it was just like he's he he threw like about a forty five, fifty yard post to 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 Anthony Gould who who'd who'd beaten Jaden Robinson. And it was just it was it was just a nice looking ball that he threw. And he threw a lot of those Saturday in the scrimmage. And he just seemed to have command and things just seemed to go right when he was out there. And, you know, I don't want to say poor Ben, but it was like, you know, he had a couple of fumbles on some snaps on Saturday. And, you know, it was just, it, it was just kind of, it was just clear who, who, the, who the guy was on Saturday. Now, as Jonathan will keep reminding us over and over and over, it's about each day, you know, stacking up those days. And then when we get to the end, we'll take a look at, you know, who, who, who had the better, who, who was better during the entirety of camp. And that's how they'll make the decision. But I, it just seems hard to believe it's not going to be DJ. Give me an idea when you see DJ, you know, aside from the 40-yard post pass, is he completing the 15- or 18-yard pass, This, you know, the back coming out of the backfield? I, I noticed in the spring game he looked a little out of rhythm on, on some of the easy throws. Is he is he cleaned that up? Yeah, he, he doesn't look anything like he looked in the spring. I think in the spring he was still trying to feel his way through things. He hadn't, you know, got in sync with receivers, but I think he's really put in a lot of work this summer to, you know, to work on the timing with receivers and, and really get into the fine details of the offense. I mean, the other thing that DJ brings, and I, I've seen this in practice, and they don't run it all the way out because, you know, quarterbacks, they don't want them being touched. But, I mean, when he's running, when he's running with the ball, that's 250 pounds of a dude coming at you. And he, I mean, he looks like five yards whenever he wants it, pretty much when he when he gets out on the edge. 
Um, and I don't know that's that's something they have on that roster other than DJ. And I I, I got to believe that's a that's an option that that they're they'd like to explore a little bit. And that won't be a big part of their offense, but just having that in your in your in your back pocket to be able to unleash in in, in games every once in a while. That, that that that's going to be huge, I think, for Oregon State to be able to run run him on occasion. You know, Jonathan Smith alludes to the idea that he might have to play more than one guy. Maybe he's talking about just college football, the potential for injury. But you know, he did bring Jack Coletto into games situationally. Do you think he will try to get if DJ's the starter? Will he try to get Ben Gulbrinson on the field situationally or? Uh, it, you know, is it is it a foregone conclusion that Aiden Childs redshirts? How do you see the other two guys if DJ is the starter? I think when he says that, you know, both, you know, he wants to get more than one guy ready. I, I'm trying to think over the five years. I don't think anyone has started all 12 games because there's always something, an injury or or something that comes up. So, if, from that standpoint, you want to have, you know, you want to have a, a capable number two and. And Ben's proven he's 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 a capable he's a capable starter. Um, I don't I can't think of a situation you know where you'd say to give the ball to Ben and have so as a change up. I don't know where that now. Aiden Childs might I I can see them bringing Aiden Childs in for a, a series here and there, up to four games in order to keep his red shirt because he's got you know he's got the the RPO thing that he can do and. And he can move around, and and he and he's a little bit different. He just he just needs to put on you know some pounds and and look a bit more like a you know a college a college athlete. He's still somewhere between that seventeen year old kid and and what a what a college athlete would look like. But but I can see them bringing him in on on, on occasion in a few games just to get him you know, get him some experience and whatnot, depending on the situation. Now, I saw you had a piece on the tight ends that you wrote about, you know, Luke Musgrave, obviously a, a star there last year, although they didn't get a lot of games out of him. Um, what kind of depth do they have at that position? Because I look at the receivers, I see Anthony Gold, I say, okay, he can run, They're, but they are, again, undersized at the receiver position. You can get away with that if you've got some stud tight ends. Where are they depth-wise at the tight end position? Oh, it, it's it's as deep as they've been at Oregon State. Now, are any of these guys Tegan Quitariano or Luke Musgrave or Noah Tongiai? I don't know that yet, but I think they all have potential to be. I mean, Jermaine Terry, when he when he uh, signed to Cal, he was the number one tight end in the country by well, I think it was ESPN when they were rating recruits. Um, and he, I mean, he looks like a, he looks like he's a he, he could be a wide receiver in a tight end's body. They'll they'll put him in a lot of different spots on you know flex him out, put him at tight end, put him in the backfield. He he's got a lot of things he could do. And Jack Belling proved last year he can catch the ball and get downfield. And Jake Overman's at who's been a he's played 33 games during his career, but it mostly is a blocker. He's he's starting to get downfield too. And I I think that this group more so than any of the other ones, they have the ability to get downfield and make plays 20 25 yards down the field whereas i don't know they've had that beyond say luke musgrave and you know had he been had he been healthy last year i mean who know who knows what what this team would have done last year with with a, with a healthy you know luke musgrave so i i think this might be their best group of tight ends 
it, it, it remains to be seen if any of them are, you know, at the level of those three I had mentioned previously, but collectively they're, they're pretty good. Nick Daschle covers Oregon State. You're listening to him here. Daschle, um, you know, at, at the running back position, Oregon State had depth last year and versatility. Um, Damian Martinez is back, but Jam Griffin hits the transfer portal. Why did Griffin jump in the portal? You know, it's kind of a mystery why he left as late as he did because it, it and, and no one's ever answered that, and uh, we probably will never hear. I don't know. He, maybe it's just at some point there there were rumors that he might be going to Coastal Carolina or his where his brother plays, but obviously he ended up at Mississippi. There's just you know there's four guys that want the ball and and there's only so many opportunities to run and with Damian Martinez looking the way he looks, I, I mean. I don't know the four guys are going to get a lot of touches, and especially I think they're going to they love using Fenwick as that you know as that real banger in the backfield, and 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 Isaiah Newell was he's looked he's he he came on late last season and he looks like he's picked it up from there. So I mean they got three guys that are that are pretty decent. So I don't know maybe Jam just looked at the room last minute and thought shoot see what see where else I can right where I can get who who needs a running back because. I, I don't know. Other than that, I don't really have a good answer for you as to why exactly he left. I'm trying to wrap my head around how much of a distraction all of the realignment, Pac-4, Pac-12 stuff, the uncertainty about Oregon State, how it how it affects this season, how it affects recruiting. You know, you've had a couple of days to digest this since we last talked about it, but do you have a sense if this team will rally around it? Do you have a sense that, you know, are the young guys on the team all kind of looking out for themselves? Are they distracted by it? You know, and and what kind of messaging can Oregon State itself give to kids when it doesn't quite know, doesn't know yet where it will play in twenty twenty four? Yeah, a lot of this is TBD. I mean, um, I, I have not noticed any any drop off in energy or or whatnot during practice, but. I mean, those are the kind of things you probably would notice in a meeting room or, you know, dinner off the field, guys just being distracted and not really knowing. I, I, I haven't noticed any of that, but I, I, I think the sooner Oregon State can come up with an answer, the better everything's going to be, depending on what that answer is. Um, you know, I know that I know that Jonathan had a Zoom call with the, with the parents on Saturday after practice, just to, you know, just to talk, I think more than anything. I don't know what was, what was discussed, but I know they, they had some sort of a, you know, some just to talk to the parents, <clears throat> players and, and, um, you know, let them know what, where things were, were going, but, you know, it's, it's gotta be weighing on them somewhat, but at some point, I, I think once the football games start going and if things start out well, I don't think it's going to be a huge distraction. Talking to Nick Daschle about Oregon State uh, football. Uh, Aiden Childs, I, I talk with his parents. They, you know, they seem like they are locked in whether he plays or not. That you know, as long as their kid's happy, uh, you know, they're happy. Uh, they've they've really got great perspective. I still think Oregon State's got to fin- figure out where they are, or they run the risk of you know a huge run in the transfer portal. Uh, but I think it's why, timeline-wise, uh, it'll be really important for Oregon State to get a bearing here. What Do you have a sense on 
timeline? When do they need to know where they're going to be? Is this a, hey, before the season starts thing? Is it a, you know, Thanksgiving thing? Is it a January 1 thing? In your mind, when do they need to have a decision? I don't think they can wait till things. I think they got to have some. They got to know something by by the start of the season because if it goes in the season, then it just starts to be this constant drumbeat of you know information and what's you know what's real and what isn't real and you know I, I and and they're trying to put together a recruiting class for next year and you know, I think they got to have some certainty as to you know where things are headed. Um, I think the farther you get into the season, it's 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 going to be difficult. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, you you're you're as tuned in on this stuff as anybody, and I mean, I I got to think something's got to happen in the next two weeks or so, or or it, or you know, it could get to be a, a distracting situation. I've reached out to the Mountain West Conference to try to just find out. You know, they've been understandably. Um, I think skittish about saying exactly who they're talking with, but I do know they've got their arms open. If Washington State and Oregon State want to be part of the Mountain West Conference, they would welcome them with open arms. The American um, Athletic Conference, Mike Oresco, being far more aggressive, they are putting on the three-quarter court press. They don't have the advantageous geography that the Mountain West has. They may have a little bit more media rights money. If a rebuild of the Pac-4 is not on the table, let's just say it comes down to, hey, you're joining a group of five. In your mind, a better fit in the Mountain West with the geography and the other athletes on campus not having to travel to Texas and East Carolina and Memphis and uh, and Tulsa and you know, or and Tulane, or do you take the money if you're Oregon State and and go with the American? I I mean I neither one is a great situation but I, I think you got to try to figure out what situation is going to get us put us in the best position for 5 years from now when when everything gets blown up again um I don't I'm I'm beginning to think it might be the might be the American um just cuz there's a little more there's there's more eyeballs on that conference it seems like just cuz it's more of a national conference um, shoot. I mean, I don't know. The you know, the money to me seems like a wash because maybe they can make a little bit more TV money in the American, but the travel is going to be will eat up all that money that they would yep. make off that. Because um, I, I, mean, I, I, I had reported, Nick, that, you know, the average American school that from from that conference, the average school got seven million dollars in media rights money. Mountain West was closer to five. Boise State gets like six and a half. But uh, very quickly, somebody from the American reached out and said, well, you know, some of the members are getting 12 and some of them are getting like five. And so, yeah, the average is seven, but it could be closer to 12 if it was Oregon State, Washington State. I mean, they're clearly like trying to uh, put on a good smile. And but I think you're right. Like you're you're talking about gymnastics and women's basketball and, you know, forget football for a second for the other sports it just feels like geography in the mountain west works better if it comes to that it does it, although okay when you look at baseball for example mountain west baseball is horrible and and baseball is is clearly a a signature sport at oregon state and again baseball in the big picture isn't going to make you all the money but that's what gets oregon state fans excited 
in order in playing in the Mountain West, man, it's it's not a good it's not a good conference for baseball. So that that's one that's one to kind of consider. And basketball would be you know the Mountain West would be a, a good conference to go to, but yeah, it's, I mean as I keep telling people, the situation they're in now. There's no there's no option out there that's as good as the one they're in now. So you got to find what's the next best one because what they have now is as good as it as it as it's ever going to be at least for the next five years. Absolutely, Nick Dashiell. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. Good stuff from Dashiell. Leave it here. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but. If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.